Welcome back to Elite Heat, episode 2 now. The first episode, big success. You guys absolutely showed love and support to that one. Mostly positive feedback, which Kevin and I are really appreciative of. This right here is the only wrestling show you need on Mondays, and it's fitting considering the topic. I'll throw it over to you, Kevin. I mean, what do you think about that first episode and the reception? Like, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, the reception was absolutely insane. Uh, we, we premiered it on my channel, and we just had, like... It was. It felt like we had north of 25 viewers consistently for the entire hour. Plenty of interaction in the chat. As you said, 60 thumbs ups. 60 thumbs up. It's like, what more could we ask for from a reception standpoint? There's really not much more. kind of blew away my expectations entirely. Yeah, I think going forward, we're going to try and keep that uh, premiere going. Now, personally speaking, I won't be able to make the premieres most weeks, but Kevin will be good to, you know, talk and chat to you guys and... Hopefully you guys get around it, because last week, it was a heap of fun, and, you know, hour-long hour show, you guys got around it. So here today, do the same, you know, show some support, share this round, hit the like button, all that kind of stuff. Also, I'll throw this over to you quickly, as far as going on other platforms, potentially? Yeah, that's coming in, in the near future, we got that working out. It's just a matter of getting verified, and being able to get on iTunes, and Google, and Stitcher, and all of that. Spotify, uh, you know, probably won't be able to get on Spotify for some time just due to their uh, requirements. But uh, the, the, we'll definitely be available on demand audio coming soon so that way you don't have to go to YouTube and watch us. You can just listen to us in your car while you're taking a walk outside. Whatever it is that you do, you'll be able to listen to us on every device coming soon. But I think we got to get right into the topic at hand. So the name of this episode is Raw is Pain. And it's, we're going to be talking about the fall of WWE's quote-unquote flagship show. I, I use that term flagship loosely because I think SmackDown is the flagship show nowadays. I, I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, SmackDown is just so must-see. You've got Roman Reigns. You have just the star power is over there. But we're going to talk about the high points and the low points because at one point, believe it or not, Monday Night Raw used to be a more entertaining and more compelling program on Monday nights than Monday Night Football. That seems like we're ages away from those days, aren't we? That's impossible to fathom. It really is. I mean, brah. Brah. Like 20 short years ago, right? Like in 2000, literally in 2000, WWE Monday Night Raw was doing better ratings than Monday Night Football. It's just, that's how good it was. Now, they're doing a 1.55. We're, in the, we're not at the height of the PG era, but we're still right like towards the tail end. I, the PG era feels like it's coming to an end soon, I, I, in my opinion, but we're still in the middle of it, I guess you could say for now. And Raw is just, it's just three hours of boredom. Like, I guess we'll go into that. I guess that's the first question. So when you think, Elitist, when you think like, okay, I got to watch a three hour Monday Night Raw, how, how do you feel about that? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, this is a family-friendly show, so I can't <laughs> give my true, true, honest opinion because that includes expletives, but nah. Um, boy, oh, boy. I mean, when I think, oh, God, Raw's on, like, you see Monday Night Raw, Monday rolls around for me in Australia, Tuesday, like, like midday. You see Raw and you think, oh, no, because it's three hours of television in which for the last basically decade... It's been near enough the same thing. It's been, look, one or two segments on the show will be genuinely good. And at the moment, that's an Alexa Bliss segment. At the moment, that's a Fiend segment, maybe a McIntyre segment. But that's really about it. And outside of that, which will constitute maybe 20 to 30 minutes of a three-hour show, outside of that, you're getting a three-hour television program filled with just amazing television like Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke and... <laughs> Grand Metalik beating the Miz and Miz TV featuring the briefcase that they now have again. Like, just as a program, it's it's excruciating. I think that's a good word for it. If you if you personally enjoy Raw, please let me know what kind of medication you're taking because I would love to know. <laughs> so, with that being said, I'll throw that question over to you, Kevin. When I tell you Raw's Raw's coming on tonight, what's your honest opinion? Oh, what I think is I can't wait to watch three hours of great matches, man, you know? There's so much good matches, like Aleister Black versus Apollo Crews with three commercial breaks. Like, who doesn't get excited for that, man? Come on. 
you get to hear tom phillips on commentary for three hours you get you get to see 22 different commercials that each last three and a half minutes but don't you want to watch that kevin what oh, it's so riveting like like the raw after tlc you know the pay-per-view ends with randy orton setting the fiend on fire and how did they start the next night with a women's tag team match that lasted three segments like that's completely riveting entertaining tv i'm shocked that Monday Night Raw can't compete with Monday Night Football in the ratings anymore. Shocking. Oh, damn it, pal. Damn, we're, we're putting Charlotte Flair on TV, pal. Damn it. Damn it. You, you want to see The Fiend? You want The Fiend, pal? We got Charlotte Flair for you, pal. Take that. Oh, it's great to see you, Vince. Oh, in, in, all, in all seriousness, when I think about watching a three-hour Monday Night Raw, first of all, I don't watch three hour, the whole three hours live. I'll be honest with yeah, anybody. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. Yep. <laughs> Like uh, we're YouTubers, we're reviewers. We're supposed to, um, we're supposed to re- watch the whole show technically, but we don't get paid enough for that, honestly. Like you could, there's a, there's a, there is a dollar amount that you could pay me. Maybe what like JD from NY makes, you could pay me that amount, and I'll watch the whole three hour raw, and I will tweet about every single segment. But until then, I'm not gonna watch a three hour raw. You can call me lazy, whatever. I'm just, I'm not gonna watch it. it, it why? Why would I watch the whole three hour show? Like, like you said, there's one good segment, and that's not just recently. That's been the theme for the better part of like what three or four years now. Like I, I think in the sum, I think of in the summer when the whole show sucked except for Edge's promo. That was like maybe five to ten minutes, or Randy Orton's promo. Like that was it. There was nothing else even really remotely worth watching. As great as Drew McIntyre is, he's not the most entertaining and captivating guy. No disrespect to him, but it was just like one or two things that may maybe two things that are the highlight. And Raw just. It's just, it, it, Raw just ain't it anymore. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's been that way for a while now. I remember 2015, I think it was, I think the Smartbusters said, like, we're talking about Raw, it's it's not, like, wrestling, but it's not, like, entertainment, and it's not really, like, a family show. It's, like, it has no identity. It's just a three-hour chunk of TV that is just kind of soulless, and there's no effort goes into it. I think they described it as some weird experiment on the human race, which... Not a bad way of describing it, considering if you watch this show three hours every week, you'd probably agree. But yeah, that said, that's our like general thoughts about Monday Night Raw. Now we're going to move on to the positives, because we're a very positive podcast here at Elite Heat. I'm going to call this segment Raw is Pleasure, because it's opposite of pain. I don't know, I kind of cringe. But nonetheless, Kevin, I'm going to ask you, what are your favorite memories in the history of Raw? Like, some, What are some of your favorite moments? Wow, there's so many. There's so many good ones. Like for me, the the two that come to my mind is the beer truck with Austin and the milk truck with Kurt Angle. I don't know why, but those two come to mind. Um, there's definitely there's a bunch. There's Bret Hart cursing at Vince, throwing him down. In more recent memory, CM Punk's pipe bomb. That's one of the more you know more recent ones that I like. Um, I think of when the Shield broke up. That was a massive moment in Raw. Uh, raw history when daniel bryan fake joining the wyatt family and that the way they closed that raw with the whole crowd chanting yes that was awesome uh i'll try to think of something from the last two or three years i i would say yeah, when randy orton rko'd beth phoenix <laughs> go ahead yep. i cut you off yeah no nah, um personally speaking i think yeah you mentioned the beer truck i'll, I'll elaborate on that austin mcmahon in general i think especially 97 when austin like stunned mcmahon for the first time in msg that was like a massive moment to roar i think other moments from austin mcmahon when austin poured cement into mcmahon's corvette that was like a big deal just near enough every week in 1998 there was some kind of must see austin mcmahon segment so that's some of the best stuff i think personally speaking when mick foley won the title on raw remember that tape show they did in to open 1999 which is crazy to think, when this video comes out, that would have been 21 years ago that happened, so it's crazy to see how far Raw's fallen in that time. But yeah, Mick Foley winning the title, one of the biggest pops you'll ever see in wrestling, that was phenomenal. I think another one, I'll get my JL voice going on going here. Goldberg, I'm rocking! Goldberg, I'm raw! I think Goldberg making his debut, even though that got spoiled by dirt sheets for like weeks, I think that was a good moment as well. So they're just some, I know they're all from 20 years ago, recently... Uh, trying to think of recent raw highlights i mean when randy orton turned heel on edge the night after the rumble a year ago and he like slammed his head with a chair i think that was great but really outside of that there aren't too many so do you have any more now feel free to throw them in uh yeah when when drew mcintyre defeated the big show 
and te- and Big Show technically main event at WrestleMania last year. Oh, that, what a moment! What unbelievable! Moment. Yeah, like that. Wow, wow. <laughs> you know, wow. five five stars in the performance center, seven stars in the Tokyo Dome. What a classic! Absolutely. Uh, like like I said, uh, having Oscar and Charlotte on commentary. Oh man, that's jeez. Yeah, Dude, I mean. Personally speaking, I personally enjoy watching Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler every week for three months. That really tickles my fancy, Kevin. I don't know about you, but oh yeah, I got I got to be in front of the TV for that one. Jeez, wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, with with all those amazing moments being said, and obviously the last few were being a bit sarcastic. Now we're going to move on to overall years for Raw. Now there's a distinctive correlation between when WWE has a great year and when Raw is having a great year. Usually, you know. You don't have one without the other. So, with that being said, what do you think is the best year for Raw? What are some of the best years thought of you? It's hard to narrow it down to one year, but I would say, like, anywhere from the 97 to 99 range, probably the best years collectively for Monday Night Raw. 97, I think, is goes a little bit more under the radar just because it doesn't get remembered as fondly as the Austin McMahon, Austin Rock stuff, but that era was just unbelievable. Yeah, Jericho debuting. You had Mike Tyson, the rise of DX, Shawn Michaels uh, retiring and him coming back, and just so much. The rise of the Rock, the Nation of Domination, just so much awesome stuff. It it's really hard. Like, is there another? Is there another answer? I I don't think there's a wrestling fan out there that's gonna tell you. Oh, 2010. That's my favorite year from Monday Night Raw. I could be wrong, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. What, what about you? What, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I mean, some people maybe in the chat or in the comments could say, like, one of the Ruthless Aggression era years, but really the Ruthless Aggression era years for Raw was essentially evolution with, like, all the titles, and then, I mean, Jericho was, like, there. Like, the Ruthless Aggression era for Raw was, like, it was, like, a good show, but it wasn't, like, oh, my God, must see. Whereas 97 to, like, maybe 2000, that time period was just must-see TV. It helps, by and large, that Russo was writing those shows. And as we'll talk about later in this podcast, the writing of the shows is so important because those shows, everything was must-see. You couldn't miss five minutes or else you'd miss a key plot development. You'd miss Austin getting to the arena and having his his car destroyed by Vince McMahon or something like that. You'd miss something. So back in those, those years, 97, 98, 99, even 2000, I think those are near enough objectively the best years for Raw. Personally, I think 1998, but that's just me. So... Yeah, I think with that said, I'll ask you now, Kevin, I kind of alluded to it there, but I'll let you elaborate. What made those old Raw shows so great? Why were those shows so compelling and must-see? And why can't today's shows be anywhere close to that? Well, the, one of the biggest things that made those Raws so great, and and it's also one of the reasons why the shows won't be so compelling, was because of the competition. The Monday Night War has really brought out the best in WWE. You think about what WWE was doing, what Monday Night Raw was before the Monday Night Raw, um, the Monday Night Wars existed. Monday Night Raw was really, really bad. Like 95, 96, those years they rival like 2018, 2019, and how terrible they were. And I know that's that seems kind of tough to say, but go back and watch some of that stuff. It was cringe. So the competition WCW that really brought out the best in Raw. And then you kind of alluded onto this, but I'll also elaborate more. Like you said, you had what was going to happen next with Austin. What was going to happen next with Triple H, Mick Foley, whatever. You saw these guys more than once on the same show. And we see that sometimes today, but not as much. Like you would see Austin three, four times in a two-hour time frame. You see him at the beginning of the show. You see him somewhere in the middle. You see him two more times before the end. Nowadays, like, like we said, you see Edge for one promo and it's five minutes and then we don't see Edge again. There was always like a hook and something to keep you going and to keep you watching from week to week and from hour to hour. And we just don't see that anymore. It's just like going through the motions. And that that's probably one of, if not the biggest reason why Raw sucks nowadays. They just go through the motions. They put out whatever tag team match, wrestler A, wrestler B versus wrestler C, wrestler D. It's just very formulaic and it's not entertaining, not captivating anymore. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, be, I'll build on that just quickly. I think... I remember I was watching something pretty recently. Brian Alvarez said this. I know you guys love Alvarez, but he made a good point here. As far as the Attitude Era shows, like the Raws, they weren't particularly different. By and large, what those shows were was McMahon coming out to open the show, hatching a new evil master plan to take down Austin. And then at the end of the night, Austin would stun him and then stand tall to end the show. 
all those shows are very similar. It followed that structure. What made it must-see was how big a star Austin was, how great a heel McMahon and the corporation were, what different thing they do each week because they got creative. It was fun. The shows were two hours. Austin would appear, as you said, three, four, upwards of maybe like six times on a show. So it was fun. It was must-see. Nowadays, as you say, we get wrestler X and wrestler B against wrestler Z, Z and wrestler J. It's just random combinations. There's nothing really makes sense half the time. No one really needs to see it. It's just, it's an absolute joke. So, yeah, that being said, unless you want to throw anything else in here, Kevin. Yeah, let, let me throw something in. Like, yep. we'll, we'll see nowadays, we'll see something where, like, Dolph Ziggler is probably the big, the biggest example of this. We'll see Dolph Ziggler, he'll get pushed for, like, two or three months. He'll win a couple matches on Raw. Then all of a sudden, we don't see him on TV for, like, six weeks. And then he comes back, and he's losing matches for, like, six weeks. And then he, then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we're going to make him Intercontinental Champion. He's going to win three or four matches in a row. It's just it's super inconsistent with how with how wrestlers are booked nowadays. Like, you would never see that with Austin. You'd think you would see Austin come out on Raw, have a random match with, like, the Road Dog and lose to Road Dog because they want to push Road Dog in the Intercontinental Championship picture. It, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that being said, I think we'll move on to our next section. This one I've titled Raw Reality Check. So with those positives being said, now we'll move in to the reality of Raw. So I'll start off by asking this. Now, as you mentioned earlier on in the show, following The Fiend getting burned alive at TLC, there was like a big buzz and a big lot of excitement for that Raw show following TLC. And with that in mind, I ask you, when was the last time Raw had that kind of like must-see feeling to it consistently not just like for one show but like consistently because personally i struggle to think of it uh for me personally i will say when the shield broke up because i was just such a big fan of the shield and i was so invested in them and they really had potential i thought to be must-see superstars like when rollins broke up the shield i wanted to see where raw was gonna go every single week and that eventually led up to sting debuting and then that also made it more must-see for me as well because it was like, oh, Sting's finally here in WWE. We're going to get Sting versus The Undertaker. Like, I would tune in anticipating The Undertaker and Sting to have some sort of stare-down or something like that on top of what was going Sting on with the Shield. Triple H. Sting versus Triple H instead. How's that must feel? Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. It was like, oh, we're going <laughs> oh, to bury WCW, pal. 20 years later, we got to bury him again. Like, uh, God, come on. Enough with this mm. already. But that's, I mean, for me, that's what I would say was the most must-see. Like, I, from 2015 to 2020, yeah, I can't, you can't really say anything like that because the Edge and Orton stuff from last year, you could catch it on YouTube and be caught up ex- with everything. That's all you need to see. So, I can't say anything. What, what about you, though? What, what do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, I try thinking of the last five years of a time where Raw was consistently must-see. I, I, I struggle. Like, I can't do it because I know some people, I've seen this on Twitter, some people, people say that Raw in 2016 was, like, must-see. And I can vouch for this, that at the time, I'd get home from, like, school. I, I'd turn on Raw, because like, I recorded it. I turned it on and just fast-forward basically the whole show. Because pretty much nothing on that show was, like, really worth watching. It was Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins versus Jericho and Owens. Some combination of that week in, week out for four months. That was Raw. And then there was the Cruiserweights, which was botched beyond belief. There was... Really, that was about well, it. Well, Shane it returning was, was kind of must-see when Shane returned and they did the whole authority thing. Like, oh, we're going to give you what you want, pal. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was good. Reigns and Styles was good. But really, 2016 on the whole, I feel like most of the time, a lot of people go, oh, SmackDown was great for four months in 2016. Raw was good as well, when in reality, it wasn't. But nonetheless, to answer the question, I think, when was the last time I felt like Raw was consistently must-see? Oh. Definitely not last five years. Personally, I'd probably say first half of 2014. I think second half of 2014 was pretty bad. The first half, that was when you had the Yes movement going on. How would WWE combat the fans each and every single week? What would the fans chant? When would the fans chant CM Punk in the middle of AJ Lee's match? That that type of stuff. We have you know Cesaro, the Real Americans. Cena was there each week. Batista was back. That kind of time period... For me personally, I really enjoyed. I just think, just in general, as a raw product, the three-hour shows weren't a complete chore. Like, even the tag team division, you had the Usos versus the New Age Outlaws, and you had, like, the Rhodes Brothers and Ryback, and even the tag teams were good back then. So, 
that's my opinion. If you want to throw anything else that in here, feel free. Yeah, it's really not much. Really not much to throw in because when you look back at the last five years, the one common denominator is the fact that the biggest star in the WWE champion was hardly ever there on Raw. So that's going to naturally hurt things in in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, it comes with the territory though. Brock doing Brock things, but yeah, nonetheless, as far as just Raw as a three-hour show. I just want to talk about three-hour TV in general because, look, I'll ask you this first. Do you think it's possible to even write, like, a truly compelling must-see three-hour show every week for wrestling? Uh, I'll kick this over to you because you just booked an episode of Raw on a video on your channel. Go check that out, everybody. So you, you, tell, you tell me about this since you have a little bit of experience. Okay, yeah, this one, look... That whole writing process, now granted, I didn't have to produce like a full script, which that only adds to it and makes it even more of a chore and even more, you know, taxing. But from what I did writing out a full Monday Night Raw episode, it took me about three-ish hours. And I mean, that was with me putting effort in. That's not to mention that, you know, you have to script every line and get all the cues and, you know, the ad breaks and time, that kind of stuff. So... I think putting together a three-hour show isn't fun, and particularly with WWE, the position they're in, they're at a point where, I'd say post-Benoit incident, when they moved to PG and like family-friendly and trying to please networks and sponsors, really for them, all they really care about is putting any three hours of wrestling they can, or wrestling, any three hours of TV they can onto the USA Network from 8 to 11 p.m., collect the money from sponsors, the advertisers, get the money done, and that's about it. They don't really put that much effort into writing it. But nonetheless, to answer the question, I don't think it's possible to write truly compelling three-hour weekly TV because if you really try and do that, then it becomes like car crash TV and that really isn't good either. So that's just my personal opinion. If you want to get your two cents in here, feel free because, yeah, I wrote the Raw script a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't fun. I want to hear what you have to say. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned like, you, not only do you have to get ad breaks and queue time and all that, but on top of writing the show, writing a script, you also have to go to Randy Orton and be like, hey, this is what I have for you. And then you have to listen to what Randy Orton wants to do. And that's a very time-consuming process, just going to each and every wrestler, like, this is what you have. Then you have to change the script a million times. Then you got to go to Vince, like, oh, Vince. And then he's like, oh, pal, rip it up. Do it again. Bring oh, Randy damn, Orton in damn here, it, damn it. Damn it, pal, no. No, pal. Get out of my office, Bruce. Bruce, get out, pal. Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, then you gotta have, you know, you gotta have a meeting. You gotta bring Randy Orton into the office, and he's gotta go, Vince, this is what I wanna do. Vince, I don't wanna spray barbecue sauce on people. <laughs> when did Randy Orton become Dean Ambrose? But you get the point. So it, it could go, it could be like a two to three day long process of just writing a three hour show. And then on top of that, you gotta write NXT, you gotta write SmackDown, you gotta write a freaking pay per view, because there's pay per views like every three weeks. And then and Twitter do think, stuff, do think, network sorry, sorry, stuff. Do you think Bruce Pritchard is in charge of doing basically all of that? It's it's one 57-year-old man, yes man to Vince, doing that whole process. It's just It's crazy to think, but yeah, go on, go on. And then you're being hounded for like documentaries. Like you got a camera crew following you and you got to do interviews for these random whatever network shows. Like I couldn't even imagine what that process must be. You know, it's impossible. I don't think it's, I, I think it's impossible for one person or a group of 10 people, or however many people they have, to write a three-hour show and have it be good within what the, the machine that is WWE. You know, they're a freaking machine, bro. They're doing more content than anybody in the, like, the sports and entertainment world. It's crazy. It's just like, like That's like if Disney Plus was doing movies every week, and on top of that, they were releasing documentaries every single day about different actors. Like It would, it would get watered down, too, you know? Yeah, also, I think with that, I find, you mentioned there, getting sponsors' approval, wrestlers' approval. That's why I think they don't do those, like, creative night-long angles. Like, it's all well and good for me, some random dude in Australia with some notepad writing, oh, her business enter nightclub, her business do this and this in nightclub. But in reality, the logistics of that, WWE would have to go to the nightclub, book that out, have sponsors approve of what alcohol is there, what, you know, what's seen there what's allowed to be shown and it becomes this whole like several day long process which given the position they're in as this big publicly traded company they can't be bothered to do that anymore so i guess that's why we don't see the really truly compelling type of content because as you said so brilliantly there you have to approve 
check with Randy Orton to see whether he wants to, you know, spray the barbecue sauce or he wants to do something else. Check with <laughs> Nia Jax whether she wants to say that line about Charlotte Flair being a robot. Like, all this kind of stuff. Like, it, the backstage behind the scenes of this must be an absolute nightmare calamity. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, then you factor it, you got 25 cameramen trying to sit to get a, an interview with Randy Orton for some show. It just, it's a mess. It's a freaking mess back there. I, I can only imagine. Oh, God. Yeah, Um. Yeah. so that being said, I'll just ask this question to you quickly. Do you think it's fair to say that Vince McMahon, so he's a great wrestling mind who's made the biggest stars and you know the biggest talents in wrestling history, but do you think it's fair to say that with that considered, he's not a great or not a good television writer? Do you think it's fair to say? Um, I, I got to Okay, so I was listening to Jim Cornette. I, I do listen to his podcast every now and then. I was listening to him actually right before we went on here. And Jim Cornette said Vince McMahon is not a great wrestling mind. He's a great promoter. And I, I almost kind of agree with him. Like he's, We've seen what happens when Vince is kind of like in his bag, so to speak. And that's like 95, 96 with these goofy characters. Oh, this is for families, damn it. But even kids are embarrassed to watch this stuff. So I, I don't even know if Vince is a great wrestling mind. I think Vince is just a really good promoter. He knows when, when he needs to do something. And when he doesn't need to do something, he knows when he needs to be edgy, when he doesn't need to be edgy. He knows how to get, like, I, I'm sure he's a master salesman. I mean, he got a billion dollars from Fox, for Christ's sake, and a billion dollars for USA Network for three hours of Apollo Crews versus uh, Aleister Black. So I think he's a damn good businessman and a good promoter. I'm not even sure that he's a great wrestling mind anymore, and, and damn sure not a good TV writer. That That's that's for sure. Yeah. You said that pretty much perfectly. I mean, Vince... I just want to say this, not this is off topic, but you mentioned it there. I'd love to see Vince, like just the raw, the raw footage of Vince in these boardroom meetings <laughs> with USA, with you know, the, the Saudi prince and whoever organizes the deals. Like seeing how Vince sells WWE to these people, I would love to see. That, that would be more must-see than any three-hour raw show in the history of three-hour raws, personally. <laughs> but yeah, that's just me. I think Vince, as you say, I'd say he was a great wrestling mind at points as far as getting big stars but as far as the, the, the writing part of it and his mind nowadays not the best kevin not the best so yeah if you want to throw anything else in here feel free i'll move on to the next question no go ahead move on yeah so currently at the moment when we're making this video the next raw episode that you guys are going to get the privilege of watching on the usa network is the legends night so with that being said i'll ask, I'll ask you kevin do you think legends nights are good or bad for raw what's your opinion uh i i don't think i don't think they're good or they're, i don't think they're good or bad like i guess you could say they're good short term because raw will pop a rating they'll go from 1.5 to like 1.8 when austin and hulk hogan appear so i guess that's good but it's bad in the sense that they have to bring back a 67 whatever 67 year old hulk hogan and a 55 year old you know injured stone cold steve austin to pop a rating like they can't they can't do it themselves. They can't create stars. So it's bad in that sense. But it is fun for us as fans to see Austin back and to see Molina and Tori Wilson. Carlito's coming back. I'm sure Carlito will pop a 2.5 rating, pal, because Carlito's a massive megastar. You know, all the Puerto Rico will be watching. So, you know, there's that. But, eh, you know, all kidding aside, uh, I mean... It's there really well, is no solution uh, sorry, sorry for it. You I think you talked about this in your Booker T video really well. The mm -hmm. fact that the wrestlers of the past have actual names and they have you know reputations to them. They have catchphrases. They're distinctive. They're iconic. That's the wrestlers of the past. Nowadays, WWE is the attraction, and all the wrestlers are kind of just there. So of course, when you're advertising your show as oh, Austin's going to be on. We're going to have Hulk Hogan coming out making his entrance. Ric Flair's going to be on TV. Tatanka, IRS are going to be back. Of course, when you do that, naturally, the rating's going to go up temporarily. As I think someone else has made this analogy in the community, but realistically, Raw having Legends Nights, it's a band-aid over like a bullet wound, like a, a bullet hole, basically. It's like, it'll fix it temporarily, but as far as like a long-term solution, it's just not it. So uh, it's fun I, I, IRS is coming back to get revenge on Randy Orton, right? For trying to kill his son. Oh, wow. That, that's long-term storytelling, pal. Long-term storytelling. <laughs> could you imagine that? <laughs> like, that would be... I, I, I could see it, though. I, you could... Like, 
bear with me here, everybody that's watching this. You could all see IRS coming out while Randy Orton's kind of promo with a microphone, serious as hell, getting in the ring and being like, yo, you burned my son. For those of you who don't know, Bray Wyatt is my son. And Randy Orton just RKO's him and, and walks away. We could all see it happen. That's too creative for WWE. They'll probably just have IRS come out there with eight other legends, wave at the crowd for two minutes and leave. With brother love. Yeah. Good. My old buddy Bruce. To steal a line from the uh, the infamous JD from New York. But yeah, nonetheless, just the legends nice themselves. They're a bit of fun, but most of the time they don't even book the legends in really interesting situations. Like, take these characters of these legends that everyone knows and actually use that to enhance your current wrestlers, but... No, no, no. Instead, have DX come out there, do some crotch chops, and then have, I don't know, Robert Roode gets a pedigree from Triple H. <laughs> and it's like, what does this do for anyone? It, you know, it just... It does nothing. It does nothing. Uh, but I, I got to throw this at you. I'll ask you a bit of a question here uh, on a little bit of a tangent. But you, re- you mentioned my video about Booker T. Go check that out for those of you who haven't seen it. It's a great video. Do you think that, let, let, I'll use Carlito as an example, since he's going to be on Legends Night. Do you think if WWE had kept Carlito around for the better part of this past decade, like he left maybe 2017-18, and they kind of used the stuff, because he was kind of like, he was kind of cool, for, that was his gimmick, he was cool, and he, he did a thing where he was spitting people's faces with the apple, as cringy as that was. Do you think if they had kept him around and they kept that gimmick strong, that at some point people would pop to see him spit an apple in somebody's face and like it could be an iconic thing like not just to focus on Carlito but anybody in, in general maybe like you know like a Kevin Owens if they gave him something special do you think it would still catch on in today's landscape um I'll say this Kevin I think everyone is interesting until they go to Raw I think you can't get what I'm saying there yeah because I look at Carlito for example it's a good example Let's say he stayed around and was on Raw consistently week in, week out. You just wouldn't care after a couple of weeks because they put him in a random tag team match versus Akira Tozawa and Amas or something. <laughs> They'd have ninjas running out there. The Carlito would spit an apple at a ninja. Like This is the kind of stuff they'd probably do. You'd have Carlito spit an apple into Miz's Money in the Bank briefcase, then he opens it up. Instead of there being a contract, it's just spat out apple. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff Bruce Pritchard would think of as comedy for Carlito. So for that specific example, and just really any example, I think, bringing these kind of old guys back for Raw, it really has to be a one-night thing because you have it for more than one week and it just kind of ruins it because you lose the luster of, oh, I remember 15 years ago watching this guy do X, Y, and Z. That was awesome. But then you see him nowadays in 2020, 2021, and these like Raw reunions and these new runs. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, this, this is it. He's having a, a, a squash match versus Akira Tozawa. It's like, brah, brah. Cringe. Oof. All right, let, let, let's get to the, the portion of the show that is titled, that is named after the title. We're going to talk about Raw is Pain now. So I'll ask you, the elitist, what is the worst Raw segment you've ever seen? Can you narrow it down to one? <laughs> Oh, what a question this is. Oh, wow. Um, look, I think the one that a lot of you guys are probably thinking right now, well, maybe, is probably Katie Vick. Mm-hmm. I think Katie Vick was like the most infamous, just awful, horrible, all-time bad segment. Just that segment in and of itself was just terrible. I think some of the Attitude Era ones, like the Attitude Era wasn't perfect. Some of those segments, like Mae Young giving birth to a hand. I mean, come on. Like, that was just horrific. I choppy choppy your pee-pee. I mean, seriously. Having a bunch of Japanese guys in the most stereotypical way possible, getting angry at Val Venus, because Val Venus <laughs> slept with one dude's wife, and then the angry Japanese samurai choppy choppy his pee-pee. Like, come on. So that, that, is, that is Russo off the leash. But nonetheless, I think as far as more modern ones, obviously... I don't know about you, Kevin, but for me, my mind gets cast back to 2018. I think yep. you can agree with this wholeheartedly. 2018, not not just it wasn't just a bad year for Raw, but it produced some of the worst segments you will ever see in wrestling. Mm-hmm. The main ones I think of are Dean Ambrose getting his injections, yep. where a doctor got some needles and then a massive needle and shoved it in the backside of Dean Ambrose because that just had to happen. Dean Ambrose had to 
um, immunize himself from the dirty, disgusting, toxic people. Like, <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you name some. I've, I've named a few there. They're just so bad. Wait, was that the same year that uh, they did that? Gallows and Anderson were doctors, and they they cut off Biggie's balls. Was that this? Was that 2018 <laughs> as well? I don't, don't even know what year that was. I mean, there's the one segment. <laughs> I didn't even watch this live, but the one with the revival were like shaving each other's backs. I oh, think that yeah. happened. Yeah, and oh, then you had Matt Drake Maverick pissing <laughs> pissing on um, Bobby Roos jacket. I think that was like in the same family. Yeah. yeah. That was on the same show, I think. It was the Ambrose injections. And then Drake Maverick, that was the whole AOPP thing. But Drake Maverick was out there, big show chokes him, and Drake Maverick just pisses himself. Like, <laughs> Because that's content we need to see. Um, yeah, Bruce Prichard yeah, so wasn't that, even there either, so we can't blame that on Bruce. Yeah, but I need to stress that. That was... Those two all-time bad segments are on the same show. Like, bruh. So, I mean, that was that. As far as other ones, um, I think Bobby Lashley's three sisters. Remember that segment where Sami Zayn introduced Lashley's three a million quotes around sisters, and mm-hmm. they came out there all dressed up, and he was interviewing them, and the crowd was dead silent. They're probably thinking, "I paid, I paid money for this. Like, this is the content WWE are giving me. I'm seeing a bunch of men dressed as women, or I don't even know what it was, but I'm seeing a bunch of Lashley sisters. Oh, so bad. Can you name some more? I, I, this question, Kevin, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, I got. Now we can have some real fun. I, I got a few here. I got, I got some that I, there might be some niche, just some niche segments. But I, I think of like when. Uh, Jericho was pouring alcohol on Punk like that was just just uh, like just bad like it tried to it was it was bad because they tried to be edgy and it just didn't work. Um, you mentioned Mae Young's hand, but I also think of the one where Mark Henry was in bed with Mae Young and I think it was Goldust. I, I think it was Goldust as well. <laughs> he was oh. he was in bed with Goldust. So the attitude ever burst some really bad raw segments. Uh, let's see what else we got. Katie Vick. Side note, Triple H explaining that story is one of the funniest stories in wrestling history. He explained it, what, like, the whole backstory. Uh, have you ever seen that? I, I haven't, quite actually. Do you want to, if you want to quickly explain that, feel free. But... Uh, I, I can't do it justice. you got to go out of your way when we get off here. you got to find that on YouTube. It's on YouTube. He explains Vince coaching him in, the, in a funeral. In a, basically, they're in a funeral home, a real funeral home. There's an actual funeral going on in the other, the other room. And they have this whole room to themselves. And, and all you hear, while a real funeral is going on, people are giving real eulogies. You hear Vince, oh, oh do it like that. You got to get in there. You got to really make it believable. Aww. You know, so that, like, that's one of the best. Um, you have Aww. the, what was the, Hornswoggle being the illegitimate son of Vince McMahon. Aww. Aww. The anonymous Aww. raw GM. Just there's been so okay. many horrible no, raw segments. I, I've got some more, but this segment's too much fun. I'm sure you guys are enjoying this, but no, nah, there's there's so many bad ones. I think, yeah, anonymous raw GM, just raw in 2010, remembering Sheamus and the Muppets and yes. just the raw guest hosts. I remember the amount of times they get some C or D list celebrity and they'd come on Raw wearing some you know some product promotion T-shirt and then they'd beat up the top heel in the company and then the show would end with Cena, Big Show and this <laughs> raw guest host just standing tall like every week in 2009. Like, who's asking for this crap? And then another one I want to mention, Dean Ambrose with the Bane mask. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting away from the dirty, disgusting people, that was all-time levels of bad. Speaking of Dean Did, Ambrose... Didn't he come he... out with like a can of Lysol one, one week and he was spraying Lysol? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I remember back in 2014, that I think September 2014, there was the one where there was slime in Seth Rollins' briefcase, and you know Rollins opens it up and oh, there's yeah. slime going in his face. Ambrose, Ambrose is yeah. like, ha ha ha, you fell for it, Seth. And then another Ambrose one when he, he he got suspended or something for the night, and then he came back in the main event and started spraying ketchup and barbecue sauce at people. <laughs> like, Raw is just pretty terrible. We could be here all day talking about these segments, but. I feel like with these segments said, now we'll move on to the worst years for Monday Night Raw. Now, there have been many bad years for Raw. We've seen many of them in the past five years, but I'll throw it over to you. What do you think is the worst year for Monday Night Raw? Uh, after, after that discussion we just had, I can't say anything else for 2018. 2018 is, I think it's unanimous at this point that that's the worst year in Raw history. Is there anything good that came out of 2018 Raw? 
Brock Lesnar wasn't there the whole freaking year. He was like, um, you know, I can't think of anything was, good. That was the Roman agenda year number four. So fans were completely done. That was the Saudi shows for the first year. Um, the, oh, remember, don't, don't forget Ambrose saying that Roman getting cancer was a good thing. Don't forget about that. Oh, oh, what 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 content that is! Wow. I mean, we talked earlier about getting the wines approved. I don't know how that line got approved, but yeah, nonetheless, some of the worst shows ever. I think 2018 is the worst year ever for Raw because one thing I say, people always respond, "Oh, 1995 is like the bailout answer," but the fact of the matter is, 1995 those shows weren't three hours long. Okay, right. as bad as they were, they were, what, an hour long? They might have been two hours, but I'm pretty sure they were one hour. They weren't three hours long, and they didn't feature some of the absolute all-time worst segments ever in pro wrestling or just entertainment in general. So I think 2018, you can pretty much unanimously agree on that. 2019 as a year was just boring. 2020 has been just dead. I think that's a can, fair can, way to Can we it. roast 2018 Raw a little bit more? I'm kind of enjoying yeah, this. Feel free. Feel free. I, I think back, I look back at this where they're trying to make Seth Rollins this baby face and they're having him pander to Rome, with Roman and his cancer announcement. And then they're like, like they have Dean Ambrose. This is Vince at his all time, like, what the fuck? You got Dean Ambrose, who everybody and their mother knows that Ambrose and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are all best friends in real life. And they're trying to make us believe that this guy, Dean Ambrose, who is like devastated that his real life, like, best friend and brother has cancer. We're supposed to believe that he hates him now all of a sudden. It, it, I just, I don't understand, like, how did nobody look at Vince and be like, bro, what are you doing? This is like, nobody wants to see this. This is this is not good TV. This is the same guy who allegedly wanted to be the father of his own daughter's baby. So I guess no, nothing should surprise me, but like, it's just 2018 Raw. Well, I, I really won't hear anything else. 2018 Raw was the worst. I'll stay on 2018 Raw for a minute because I, I, I sh- you guys should be loving this. 2018 Raw... One thing we haven't even mentioned yet was the Alexa Bliss Nia Jax bullying oh, storyline. Yes. Oh my god. Where yeah. they did, they pretty much they had both roles. So Alexa Bliss was the bully of Nia Jax, fat shaming Nia Jax. Jesus. Nia Jax wins the title at WrestleMania. This heartfelt moment where millions, not millions anymore, but heaps of wrestling fans are all emotional and distraught and happy for Nia Jax. And then they flipped the roles to where Nia Jax was bullying Alexa Bliss because she's small and she's beating her up. And then Ronda Rousey came in there and just destroyed all of them. So, oh my God, Raw was bad. Yeah, then you had, oh, Ronda Rousey. Let's get in our bag here at Ronda Rousey. She had those promos where it was like, what the fuck is she even saying? What is this, like, what is going on? I remember one promo specifically where she kept saying top of the mountain. It was like she had a speech impediment. She just kept saying, I'm going to be the top of the mountain. And she would get nervous on live TV. It was like, it was tough. It was tough to watch sometimes. They would, oh, Ronda Rousey also, on Raw with a microphone. Yep. Bad. Baron Corbin is GM. Remember that? Baron Corbin? Oh, God, I forgot oh. about that. The Baron Corbin that's and Kurt stable. Angle feud. Oof. Oh. Yeah, that okay, Baron Corbin. I think, that was a, that's think, a must-see okay. feud right there. Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle, pal. Radio. yeah, I think... You guys get the point watching this video, listening to this podcast. 2018 was all-time levels of bad. That personified the phrase, raw as pain. So I think with that being said, we'll kind of veer back to our like first question. I'll just ask you, as content creator, the content creator, what's it like watching raw? Well, knowing you have to cover raw, like we, we hardly ever really watch three-hour raws anyway, but knowing you have to review raw for content, and knowing you have to try and somehow think of a compelling title, thumbnail, topic, tags, a reason to care, a reason to get your subs invested. What's it like as a YouTuber having that burden, Kevin? Well, there's many times where like I'm checking Twitter and I'm looking at what's going on in Raw. And I'm like two hours into the show and it's like nothing happened. Like the most compelling part of the show is Charlotte Flair doing a moonsault or something. Like, they, like what, what am I going to title this show? What am I going to title this review? And I'm just like, okay, I probably won't review it. And then I'll be off Twitter. I'll be doing whatever, doing homework, doing whatever. And I'll look back with like five, it's like five minutes to 11. And I'll see, oh, this segment took place 20 minutes ago where the Fiend like tried to kill Randy Orton. So that's pretty awesome. I guess I'll title that. And then it's like, at the end of the day, is it really worth it for my channel? Because Raw doesn't do views very often. Raw reviews, they don't really pull in views. It's like, I, I find a struggle just even really wanting to review it. You know, I know you go through the same, like, 
why is it even worth my time i'm not getting paid a lot to do this is it worth my time at all to do like i don't know what, what do you think yeah like i remember back this would have been september i think this is when i mean raw is a lot like this it's kind of just dead uneventful shows i remember in september especially literally nothing would happen on these three-hour shows like i'd be at school and because raw when in my time is 10 a.m to 1 p.m so you hit like lunchtime it's like 1 p.m you check your phone thinking What's happened on Raw? I'm sure something's gone down. You check your phone. I'm scrolling through looking for something that's happened. And all I'm seeing is a picture of R-Truth with the 24-7 title. Those, like, WB on Fox match graphics. And it's like, R-Truth, 43-time 24-7 champion. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. Surely something else happened. And it's like, oh, Drew McIntyre cut the same promo for the sixth straight week about Randy Orton. I'm just like, these shows suck. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. There's nothing to cover. Most of the time, it's an Alexa Bliss segment and two, two hours and 50 minutes of nauseating trash. And you're left there as a content creator thinking, how in the hell am I supposed to get viewers to my channel? What on this show is going to bring back viewers, bring in viewers to my channel, create buzz, excitement? The, the, the thing I have the issue with Raw reviews and reviews in general, but Raw especially, after about an hour after the show, no one cares. Unless you're like the Solar Monster or one of these like, like Don Tony, one of these like big dog channels, no one cares. So I'm at a point where I don't even really want to cover it anymore. You guys, like, shout out to Kobe Talks. You're probably in chat right now. You know, you're covering it for the sake of your channel. A bunch of you guys are doing that to really soldier through and create content. But the position I'm in, it's just not worth doing, Kevin. I, it, I hate it. It's reviewing yeah. raw sucks. That's ugh. another thing too is like you and I, we've we've gotten we've really consolidated raw reviews. We cover a whole three hour show in like seven minutes. And people don't even want to listen to a seven-minute review about a three-hour show that had nothing on it. They're clicking in hopes that they're going to see the segment that we just clickbaited. Like, if, for example, if we're clickbaiting Randy Orton sets Alexa Bliss on fire, people are clicking on the video hoping that they're going to actually see Randy Orton set Alexa Bliss on fire. And then 30 seconds in, once they realize it's just me or you talking, they're like, all right, I'm out. Like, they don't even care about anything else. There's nothing on the show aside from that one segment that's worth remotely worth discussing the next day the next five minutes after the show goes off the air e even that there's nothing worth discussing yeah and also the amount of times in 2020 especially well in the past few years but uh, like the few times i've actually watched a three-hour raw well for one it's pure suffering but once the three hours is over i'll either do a review i'll go do i don't know go for a run go to the gym something right i'll do that and then two hours later i'm thinking what happened on Raw? I, I genuinely, like, not for the sake of the video, I genuinely can't remember a thing that happened. Not because my memory is impaired, but because Raw is that just lifeless, and it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And, I, look, I've had a bunch, a bunch of comments on my videos over the past year saying, look, Elitist, why, why don't you do, like, you know, segment-by-segment segment reviews? And my response is always, no one cares to see that. No one cares to hear that, because, as you say... Raw's as irrelevant as it gets. No one cares to hear me go, then Shayna Baszler and Dana Brooke had a six-minute match. Shayna Baszler kicked Dana Brooke in the shin. Then Dana Brooke proceeded to hunch over and sell it like she'd been shot. From there, Shayna Baszler locked in the Kirafuda. Dana Brooke was screaming in pain. Like, just... That's content. It's just bad. Dude, it's just you saying that almost put me to sleep. Just that little, yeah. that little tidbit, you know? Um, and, and for me, I gotta put this in context. Raw comes on at 8 p.m., so it's on from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do that, Kevin. It, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't. E I don't either. Like that's like for me. I'm. I just had dinner. I'm ready to relax and watch some entertaining TV. Maybe play some video games. And I just like oh, I can't play Call of Duty because I gotta watch Raw. You know. And it's like and then I try to watch Raw and I fall asleep 10 minutes in or something then that that's it that raw raw is good for insomnia or if you just need to go to if you need to get to sleep you got something to do early in the morning put on an episode of raw that'll guarantee you knock you out yeah like i legitimately don't know like you, you mentioned there it comes on at 8 p.m and for you guys watching it in uh, you know the uk but it comes on what 2 a.m 1 a.m those kind of times and some of you guys like shout out to kobe i don't know how you do this where it's on at like two in the morning and you're covering raw what god bless like, you for me personally i remember when i actually watched these shows during like the pandemic like in april and may some of my most toxic raw reviews like toxic content in general the show would come on at 
maybe like 10 a.m. in the morning. It'd be done by 1 p.m. I'd literally wake up at like 8 a.m. in the morning. So I've just woken up and I'm still exhausted after watching a three-hour Raw. I feel like I need to go back to sleep again because it's that draining, boring. It's just a struggle to watch. Like, as we say, Raw is pain. It's the best way of putting it. It really is. It really is pain. Like, there's just... I could think of a million things that I'd rather do at this stage in my life than watch Monday Night Raw. A lot of times, I'll go to the gym. It's good good gym time. I like getting in there late at night. It's empty. I'll go to the gym. I get I feel rejuvenated. And I get home. There's maybe like an hour left of Raw. Okay, I'll try to watch Raw. I'm, I'm on a high from the gym. I'm feeling good. I, I, you know, And I'll try to watch the last hour of Raw. And I still it still puts me down. It, bring, it brings my energy level down. Yeah. I just burn like 500 calories and i this show somehow managed to drain me still you know it, it it's amazing the power of raw yeah and i think with that being said we'll go into our final kind of segment of this i'm calling this one going raw into 2021 which is such a perfect name for the segment but <laughs> nonetheless i'll ask you with everything we've said in this episode of elite heat i'll ask you can raw somehow heaven forbid get any worse in 2021 is it even possible? I, I really, I don't think that they can get worse than Katie Vick or Dean Ambrose being happy that Roman Reigns has cancer and getting injections. I, I don't think they can get any worse than that. I, I'll give WWE the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't think they can, but it wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I'll short and sweet answer. What, what, yeah, what, do, what um, do you say about this? I'm curious your can take. Raw, can Raw get worse? Oh, what a question. Um... Look, I think as far as kind of get more boring, I, I don't know if it's even possible, but I'm sure they'll find a way. I think another year, another 52 weeks of three-hour-long Raw shows written by Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon, I don't think anyone, if one person on Earth is looking forward to that, God bless you. I don't know how you do it. But yeah, as far as kind of get worse, we mentioned 2018. Look, if WWE pull a WCW 2000 and consciously go out of their way to make all-time bad segments, if anything, it would probably be better because that would be must-see in car crash, ha-ha-ha, it's so bad TV. But with Raw, it's just <laughs> null and void of life. We talked about it with reviewing the shows. We've talked about it in general. It's just dead. Raw is dead. That's, that's the best way of putting it. No one cares for Raw. No one's looking forward to Raw consistently. It's just... It's brutal. So, with that being said, I'll ask a bit of a hypothetical one to you, Kevin. Wait, wait but before you ask this question, yep. let me ask Come you a question. Yep. So, Raw, do you think we'll ever get to a point where Raw goes from three hours to two hours again? Like, do you think the USA Network will seriously consider dropping Raw and then, like, they'll have to go to two hours with another network? All right. It's a good question because... When you, when you bring this up in the wrestling community, people always give the same answer. The whole, oh, the third hour makes them so much money, man. It's like, okay, third hour, 10 to 11, makes them some money. But wouldn't it be more beneficial if you did a two-hour show with, you know, written by maybe Vince Russo or someone with that mentality of making a must-see show, and then more people watch it and you get several millions more viewers? Wouldn't that be more beneficial? So I think maybe moving raw to two hours, look, I think everyone can agree who's watching this moving raw back down to two hours is like the main thing they need to do above anything else making it a two-hour show because two-hour shows yeah bad two-hour wrestling shows aren't great but i prefer a bad two-hour show to a bad three-hour one i think we can all agree there but yeah i think nonetheless move raw to two hours i hope it happens i really do i assume you're the same yeah, I definitely do. There's been some rumors. I don't know if it's like I don't know where I heard this from. I heard it on some radio show or something, where these you know people that are connected in the wrestling world. It wasn't Alvarez and Meltzer, but it was somebody else connected in the wrestling world was saying that there is some real uh, dissension with the USA Network and WWE. And I'm just thinking like, what would happen if the USA Network was like, look, we're done. We're not renewing the contract. I don't even know where... I'm sure somebody will pick up Raw. Maybe Fox or... I don't know. I don't know who else will pick well, up like, Raw. The thing is, WWE... How I assume... Like, we talked about Vince, you know, as a businessman selling WWE to these, like, big you know, investors and whatnot. I think, realistically, you'd sell Monday Night Raw as three hours of weekly content for your network that's going to get somewhere over a million viewers. Which some network is going to want that because that is an appealing commodity especially networks who are kind of like struggling 
So Raw is always going to have a place on television. But as far as the USA Network, like USA should look at trends for ratings and look at from 2014 and 2015 when they could get four, four and a half, five million viewers every week. And look at now when they're getting 1.527 and think to themselves, something's not going right here. Maybe we should can this show. It's, it's only going to keep going down because nothing's changing. So that's what I think. I'm sure you probably it, think the it, same. Is part of that though... The, the the ratings going down is part of that just the idea like hey i can i can watch raw in 10 minute youtube clips and i can be caught up or the fact that people are streaming more there's like a lot of a lot more pirating is that part of it do you but do you subscribe to that theory or do you just think it's the quality of, of show oh it's, it's definitely part of it I, yeah if personally speaking using wet websites like watch wrestling or these type of ones definitely a good way of watching the shows i think as you say, the rundowns, like, why would anyone watch a three-hour show that they know is going to be bad when they can watch Bonafide Heat's review on his YouTube channel, subscribe if you haven't already, and see within a minute of his review that, okay, Alexa Bliss's segment is the only thing worth watching. I'm going to click off the review, go watch that now. Three minutes later, they've watched the segment, and they've caught up on Raw in four minutes. That's the conundrum they face. So I think as far as ratings goes, to answer your question, look, I think... In a way, yes, but at the same time, I don't really know. I think ratings were going to go down regardless because of social media, but nonetheless, they've taken a just a nosedive with Raw, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's on such a such a nosedive, but uh, I'll pose you the next question. Would a- ending the brand split make Raw better or worse? Look, it's an inter- interesting one, and I'd like to hear what you guys have to say, either in chat or watching this video back in comments. I think as far as ending the brand split that's a positive and a negative because for one ending the brand split you'd basically kill smackdown because given how wwe given what they've done to themselves they're in a position where okay you end the brand split brilliant roman reigns sasha banks they're now on raw and now they're appearing on both shows but at the same time that makes them a bit less interesting it's not like oh we can only watch them on friday so the appeal of that goes down and even if reigns sasha they go to raw because it's raw no one will care after about a month so it's a lose-lose what do you have to say about this question kevin because it's a pretty interesting one yeah i i don't think it's i don't think it'll help i don't see how like basically what would happen if the brand split ended uh, wwe would find a way to consolidate their roster down to 10 to 15 people again some of the people that are getting opportunities on smackdown and Raw, like, I don't even know. I can't even name a guy off the top of my head. I'll say Otis, for example. A guy that, like Otis who wouldn't get the opportunity that he has if there was no brand split would just be back in catering. And they would, you know, they would they would consolidate it back to 15 people and it would be the same rinse, rosh, repeat. We see Seth Rollins versus um, Rey Mysterio for the 100th million time. We see Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre until we are absolutely sick of it and we never want to see those two anywhere near each other again. So no, it it wouldn't be a good thing. I don't see how it, it. I don't. I can't see how it would be a good thing. I can't even make a case for it to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I threw that question in there because realistically, I'm sure that's probably a potential Vince McMahon kind of panic move to try and fix ratings. When in reality, it's just it's going to add to the problem even more because then, oh, in 2022, you go back to a brand split and then your problems begin all over again. So that's that question. I think moving on to another hypothetical one. This one, I think we can both agree, we really hope doesn't happen. So, question being, if, heaven forbid, AW Dynamite moved to Monday nights, would that be bad or good or bad for Raw and wrestling in general? I, I, don't, see how, I don't see how that would be a good thing at all either. And that's another one because aside from the hardcore AEW fans that are largely based on the internet, there's not really an, a, an, a casual appeal to AEW, so there's no reason for any of the casual fans, if there are any left, that watch Raw on a weekly basis to even be have AEW be on their radar. You know, the people that watch Raw that don't, that they, they maybe they have a Twitter, but they're not on wrestling Twitter at all. They know nothing about all the amazing talent in AEW, like like Ricky Starks and, it, it, you know. Kevin, Kevin, AEW's stacked next week. We've got Sean Spears versus John Silver. What, what do you mean, Kevin? Don't be disrespectful. Yeah, People exactly. would happily watch AEW, but not going. Go exactly. On. Like when you have AEW going up against NXT, when you have Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, and you have whoever else they have, the Young Bucks, FTR, 
that's a superstar roster compared to NXT. When you have NXT, they have Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. They have guys that are just not as interesting and compelling as some of the stars in AEW. But when you put when you put Kenny Omega and 50-year-old Chris Jericho, as we saw with NBA Twitter, NBA Twitter ripped Chris Jericho to shreds, you put that up against Randy Orton, Edge, guys like that, Roman Reigns, AEW just doesn't stand a chance, and they really, it, it wouldn't happen. Like, like, it just wouldn't have the same effect as when WCW went over to Monday Night Raw. Maybe there's a, a, a time in the future, I'll, I'll give AEW the benefit of the doubt for the sake of being positive. Maybe there's a time in the future where Kenny Omega catches on and he becomes like the hottest thing in pro wrestling since Hulk Hogan in 1995 or 96, whatever, and we do end up getting a war. Maybe two, three years from now, maybe AEW is doing 1.5, 2 million people watching, 2 million ratings, and they're like, okay, we can move to Monday Night, to Monday night and we can actually compete with, with uh, Monday Night Raw's 1.5, 1.8 ratings. Maybe that happens, but if it happened today, tomorrow, where AEW is like, oh, we're going to move to Monday Nights, it would, it would, it could kill AEW, I, I would say. Yeah, I'm just, I'm listening to you say that. I'm just thinking, realistically, like, picturing that. So, you have Monday Night Raw, which, at the, this current rate, like, we look at year-on-year -year ratings, Raw in 2019 averaged, what, 2.5, 2.6-ish, and then 2020 Raw averaged, let's say, 1.7 million viewers. So, with that kind of trend, give it a year or two, and Raw will be getting 1 million viewers. So, in that regard... AEW could then move in in like 2023 and be competitive, but not because they're setting the world on fire, because WWE has fallen to those lows to where they're now getting the same ratings as AEW. So I think that's the only way, realistically, there'd be a competition there because people have to choose between AEW's five tag team matches per show and obviously excluding the, the Brody Lee tribute, that's completely okay. But as far as the other episodes where they do four, five tag team matches every show, Compare that with Monday Night Raw, where you have McIntyre, Edge, Orton, these you know big you know big names. I just don't think there's a comparison there. That's just my personal opinion. So, if you want to throw anything else in here, feel free. Nah, uh, we covered that one. I think as good yep. as we can. Yeah, I think I'll I'll ask the final question here before we before we close this second episode of Elite Heat, the only wrestling show you need on Mondays. I'll close with this question: Who, if anyone, can save Raw at this stage? Do you think there is anyone? I don't. I don't think there's any one person. Uh, I'll throw out a, a creative angle that maybe could generate some buzz in Raw going forward. But let's say on Legends Night, perfect time. Let, let's say Roman Reigns showed up on Raw, and he's like, "Oh, I'm the big bad head of the table. I'm the face of WWE," and he calls out Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he he kayfabe breaks Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck. Let's say sends him to the hospital they run this big massive angle and it's like getting made like tmz's covering it. like oh my god stone cold steve austin broken neck from roman reigns if wwe did something like that that could generate interest for maybe like two to three months maybe you know they could have roman reigns come out on raw every single week and be like ah you know i'm the guy that broke stone cold's neck and, and they could kind of go with that trend they can have him confront hogan they could have some of stone cold's friends like kevin nash and etc confront roman and they could really do something with it but after two to three months, Roman's just going to be back to the, another cog in the wheel, and it's just, it's it's not going to help. You know, it's not going to help long term. That, that's my that's the way I see it, at least. Yeah, I mean, that idea you posed there is bloody brilliant. I'll say that much. I mean, you got Roman Reigns literally do the storyline of he's that much better than everyone nowadays. It's not even fun for him anymore. He just destroys these Kevin Owens types every week. Now he's going to move on to, you know, everyone's favorite wrestlers, Austin, you know, eventually Rock, perhaps. You know, Austin brings back The Rock for WrestleMania, and they do Rock and Reigns, something like that. It sounds like fun. It'd bring in ratings. It'd get people talking. That's what wrestling needs, because at the end of the day, as we've covered in this episode here, Raw is just pain. It's it's fallen so far. It's, it's an absolute state. So yeah, I fully agree with that last point you made there, Kevin. I think now... We can pretty much get out of here. We covered Raw in basically as good a detail as you probably can for an hour-long podcast. Painful detail. To yeah, say sure. I mean, sure, if you haven't liked the video by now, what are you doing? Hit the like button. and Not the dislike. Hit the like button, okay? Hit the like button. We, we need those likes on the uh, Elite Hate podcast. Get, get, 
get the podcast spread out there, okay? We already got five dislikes for not for um, not being happy about Apollo Crews and Alistair Black having a three segment match. So yeah, that's... another two dislikes for uh, Sean Spears versus John Silver. Oh yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, it's been been fun show for episode two. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Personally speaking, I think we've improved upon episode one quite well. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I think should be fair to say. Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping everyone uh, everyone that's tuning in, if you made it this far and you're not subscribed to my channel or the Elitist channel, subscribe to both of our channels. They're going to be linked in the, in the description. We're going to be doing this every Monday. Like, this is your content for Monday night. This is your wrestling content for Monday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, whenever it is that you catch this. You don't even need to watch Raw. You, you can watch our my review after the show or, or the Elitist yeah. review if he's still doing reviews. You don't no, need... No, I'm not made... It, it... Check out Bonafide Heat's reviews of Raw because, as you say, Monday Night Raw, we've covered this for now over an hour. Raw is a three-hour show. Straight up sucks, okay? This right here, this podcast, is the only content for wrestling you need on Mondays. And I think that's pretty fair to say. So, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to sign out. It's been a fun one, Kevin. Elite Heat Episode 2. Raw is pain. I'm signing off. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you again for listening.